Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Like that, we are back, Queen City. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, broadcasting live from the Planet Kia Studios, the best place on the planet to buy a car. Visit them on East Independence or online at planetkianc.com. If you love the show, love what you are hearing, then go check out the podcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can get them, WFNZ app to check out Wesson Walker if you missed it or if you just love us that much and speaking of love in the last segment fitty dropped his top five tv fathers so uh walk and i will give ours really quick so i'm just gonna go right off and tell you uncle phil is my number one listen all those scenes he had all those lessons he taught to each one of his kids he taught so many valuable lessons but when he had that episode with Will when his dad didn't show Ooh. up come on man yes sir. come on man yes sir. come on now that one that one's real come okay on. so I, I don't think it's close. Philip Banks is number one of all time. Yeah, he gives us man. that moment, the one where Will Smith needed him the most. Not only was he a great kid or a great father to his own kids, but also a great father to his nephew, who acted a fool, who kept insulting him, but also <laughs> the biggest badass moment of all time, yeah. of all time, is when he brings out Lucille. Oh yeah. Oh, at the yeah. Pool hall, oh yeah. And then he makes all that money back. He said we couldn't play for less than seventy dollars a uh, ball. What about I don't know, hundred dollars a ball? <laughs> uh, okay. And then he acts like he doesn't know what he's doing. Jeffrey, bring out Lucille. Yeah. Oh. And then they put the music on. Yeah, Uncle Phil was the man. One, number and one. And I gotta go with man. He might have been a little cheesy, but he was another one always there for his kids. Danny Tanner. Full house. I have him too. Come on, man. I have him too. Then I'm gonna go with Coach Eric Taylor. Friday Night Lights. Now he was a bit of an intense dad. He give you a smile. He was that tough dad that you didn't want to disappoint. But he when it, when he gave you the love and you got a smile out of him, man, it just made you weak, made you year. Um, I have never seen it. That's a show that a lot of people get yeah, on for having nuts. Gotta watch it. And then uh, I'm gonna go Al Bundy, of course. Ran his household with the nonchalance. He had so much going on. Bud was a dumb dumb. He had Kelly that was also a dumb dumb, but she was so hot. He didn't even worry at all. She's bringing home goons every single day. Just the worst <laughs> of the worst she's dating. You know what I'm saying? But then for my grimy dad, since Fiddy wanted to go with um, uh, so the Sopranos, since he wanted to go with Tony Soprano, my father, yeah. I got to go with Nikki Santoro, man. Casino. Committing murders, robberies the night before, but he said he always mm-hmm. came home and woke up at six o'clock every day <laughs> to make his son some breakfast. And when he would make his pancakes, he told him not too much butter because why? And his son said because it can clog our arteries and give us a heart attack. And he said, "You're such a smart boy." I said, "Oh, look at that, just killing people and doing all types of stuff." But you're <laughs> home to teach your son life That's lessons. That's right. All right. So that is Wes's <laughs> list. Let's hear from you on the text line seven zero four five seven zero ninety six ten. K Town Mafia wrote in a Walker favorite, Alan Harper. I told him he was about to get blocked. No. 
No, no, Alan Harper, not a good father and just a bad human. I'm sorry. I can't stand that guy. My least favorite character of all time in any category, really. 980 said, Fitty's List needs some diversity and inclusion. We did not go with Philip Banks or either uh, Carl Winslow, which is a famous um, answer here on the text line as well. Those are just the shows that Fitty started watching. Wolfpack James, angry with no Uncle Phil on the list, but we had that covered. We put him number one by far. I agree with you, too about Danny Tanner. Plus, yeah. you talk about letting an Uncle Joey come in and live in the household. Uncle Jesse, right. like, you know, the heart of gold. it takes a village. And he embodied that. He didn't try to be a superhero, even though he was. And so I appreciate that from Danny Tanner. I have Carl Winslow 3, too. Strict, but also, yeah, I feel like good dad. Great one. Needs to be up there. Also, I think even a father figure to Steve Urkel, which has to be tough with him being the uh, with him being the neighbor. Number four, I got Phil Dunphy okay. of Modern Family. Yeah, yeah. He was good. Great father. Phil Dunphy. Plus, he's hilarious. Love Phil and Dunphy. And Al Bundy was his daddy, right? On the show? That's right. Yeah, he's his dad. 100%. And number five, um, I'm going to go with one off the beaten path here. I'm going to go to a cartoon. Hey Arnold is my favorite cartoon okay. of all time. So I'm going to go with Grandpa. I don't even know if we ever realize his name. I think it's Phil. I think that's right. Um, but Grandpa Phil taking in Arnold after he lost his parents. Spoiler alert. But Grandpa Phil, he's going to fill it out for me and uh, a couple of other people writing in. Walter White. I don't know about Walter White. I don't know if he can be one of the best dads of all time. Um, scrolling, scrolling on the list. Continuing to try to find some great TV dads. Uh, lots of the same answer. People just writing in Uncle Phil. I think that's a consensus of yeah, all man, time. Yeah, man. People love Uncle Phil. And he set the example for his kids professionally and in the household, he was a professional, successful man that was rich and wealthy, but he was still down to earth. Remember when mama had to come and bring him back down to earth? You remember that? Now, I loved Uncle Phil's mama when she started calling him Zeke. Oh, yeah. And talked about the farm. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Remember where you came from, Zeke. Remember? Yeah, North Carolina. Yes, sir. Um, a 704 wrote Julius from Everyone Hates Chris. Okay. Totally agree with that. That's an underrated TV dad. Moose wrote in Peter Griffin and Homer Simpson. Classics. Yeah. Don't know how great they were, but also classics. How about this one for you? AJ wrote in Marty Bird. Is he a good dad? Good TV dad. Oh, man. I, I mean, mean <laughs> he I, did everything he could to keep them alive yeah. after he got them in a situation <laughs> that could have gotten them all killed at any second. So, no, I can't put him in if there. We, Grimy if, dad, yes. If we start from the origin point, I think no. Who's a better parent, Marty or, or, or Wendy? Because it's got to be Marty, right? I mean, Marty is a throw your rocks, throw the rocks, hide your hand guy because he got them in the situation and thought that he would be able to get them out. And then once the situation got thick, then he would try to do good deeds here and there to try to make it better. But at the end of the day, he was the one that got them into this. All right, last couple ones here, and we'll get to you, Fiddy, as well because we got a lot coming in. Hank Hill needs to be mentioned. That's a great one. Okay. Um, Fred Sanford. Uh, Andy Griffith. How did we forget him? Andy Griffith, yeah. No, it's one. It's a classic dad moment, of course. Uh, Bernie Mac. <laughs> uh, R.I.P. Yeah. Bernie Mac. R.I.P. Mac. That, that show was amazing. All, all off of one joke. That whole sitcom was created all off of one joke that I believe he made original uh, in the Kings, Kings comedy. comedy show here yes. in Charlotte is yes. when that happened. I believe he made that joke. And then you had the sitcom. All right, let's... Um, Fitty, you have one? No, I, I was... I, I, saw, I saw the Andy Griffith and I was going to be mad. Like... I forgot it. 
You forgot it. You're from Claremont, which is like the Claremont. May- Claremont. Uh, Claremont. We're going to get that one right. You know, which is like the Mayberry of, the, of this area in North Carolina. So I uh, think the good news is that there's just a lot of great TV dads. Last one. And then, Wes, you take it off and you and you. And then I'll it. be the dad. O- okay. Mm. Yes. Um. Somebody wrote. The daddy in. move. Somebody wrote in. <laughs> bleep it. Cliff Huxtable. And with that, All right. go. Uh, yeah. All, All right. right. So here we go. Definitely switching <laughs> gears on that one. So listen, it's time for a belated campus. Kona. All right. Let's get to it, man. College football season will be here before you know it. Reese Davis was on the Pat McAfee podcast. He called Caleb Williams and Drake May from North Carolina generational quarterbacks. Is this facts only? I asked. Well, let me start the conversation off. I'm giving Drake May an incomplete for right now because, like I said before, it's rare in college football that you see a quarterback take a precipitous fall like he did. You may have a bad game, but for the most part in college football, a guy that puts up gaudy numbers is going to continue to do so. I keep bringing up the stat, and you're going to keep hearing it until he changes it. Six TDR, four losses to close the season out. Yes, he had an admirable performance against Oregon, but generational, I need to see a little bit more because you're in entering the Sam Howell zone next year where you're losing your top pass catchers. You don't have much of a running game to speak of, so we're going to see what time it is because when you talk about a guy like Bryce Young, he had all the talent, bought out when the Heisman, he didn't have all the talent, still bought out, so we're going to see. Fitty, what say you? Drake May last year was the sixth quarterback since 2010 to throw for 4,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, rush for 650 yards, and at least seven touchdowns. Yes. The other to do so, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Marcus Mariota, <laughs> Johnny Manziel, right. and RG3. That's four Heisman winners. And then Deshaun Watson, a guy who, when he's on the football field in the NFL, has done some special things and won a national title at Clemson. How, how are you so confident? That Drake May has so much more to prove when everybody in higher positions than us in the football world are calling him a generational talent and he'll be a top five pick in next year's draft. Well, I think that I have a, a, a little bit of a name. I've been in this sports game for a while. I think I know a little bit about football. I mean, only God is an expert. But all I'm saying is with all those quarterbacks that you just named, go find me a stretch in any of their seasons where they lost four consecutive games and only mustered six total touchdowns. When you can do that, let me know. I'm just saying it's an incomplete for right now because we know guys can take falls on draft boards. That's all I'm saying. You're calling a guy generational. I don't want to see four straight L's again. I'm rooting for Drake, but I'm just saying the end of that season was very peculiar, to say the least. Now, I, I think it's fine to label him with that just because of what he accomplished last year. I think a lot of the problem is when you look at some of those other quarterbacks that have accomplished what Drake May did, what makes it even more impressive for Drake, yes, you're right about the last month not being nearly as good as what it was in the first eight games or so, but also all those other QPs, they played for better teams and had way better systems surrounding them. When you talk about a QB like North Carolina or playing for North Carolina, the offensive line was clearly a joke last year. You did not have as many weapons. You did have Josh Downs. You did have sufficient enough. But when we're talking about some of these other QBs and how they did it, you're talking about first round talent. You're talking about excellent offensive play callers and a lot of those systems that we just discussed with what Fiddy just mentioned. I do think that when you're talking about Drake May accomplishing all he did in an environment where 
Mac Brown is the coach. Wes, when we were out at the auto show talking about the pace that Drake May was on, the QBs that were accomplishing what he did were Heisman winners and guys in a Mike Leach sure. system. Sure. <laughs> so, so, like, for me, I have no problem. Yes, you're right. Underwhelming has to perform. I think it's okay to tab him with more pressure, but I do think that the talent is clearly there enough to say, yeah, if he wants to call him generational, I'm cool with it. Yeah, I mean... Like I said, you know, they only gave up almost three sacks again. So that offensive line, yeah, they, they, they could have been better. But all I'm saying is we can't sweep that month under the rug. We're going to see how he starts the season. That's fair. And Carolina has a very tough schedule. So we're going to find out a lot about him. Moving on down the road to Clemson, Mark Packer called Cade Klubnick a Heisman dark horse. Do we think Cade is the next great Clemson QB? I will say it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Hell no. I do not think so. I think that I've said it, that I don't think Cade Klubnick finishes his career in Clemson. Uh, Christopher Vizena looks to be a little bit more behind the eight ball than what I thought as far as his progression early. But Cade Klubnick, man, I'm just not seeing it. I'm just not seeing him being a dynamic player. I think he's very small. He plays a very reckless style where he likes to run and he doesn't get down. I don't think that's going to bowl well for him. Garrett Riley coming in, he's getting a lot of billing. We're going to talk about him if we get a chance or if not on the other side of the break. But, hey, I just I don't see it with Cade Klubnick, man. I think, like I said, Mac Brown told you in the ACC championship game they didn't prepare for the guy. So he was able to come in there and hit some throws, make some plays. But we saw in Tennessee, you know, things got a little different. Yeah, I think if the next great QB means being outside of Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence, Taj Boyd, then maybe. But he's not going to enter that realm by any means. I, I don't, and even DJU, right? He'll, I think he'll play better statistically than what DJU showed last year. I know the system might fit. Also, did you see uh, Dabo agree with DJU? Did he really? I didn't see those comments. He did, yeah. So, so DJU, I, I think Kate Klubnick is probably going to provide better stats than what he was able to do last year. But I don't think we're going to be talking about this guy at the end of the season as a Heisman Trophy front runner. I don't know if we're going to be talking about him in yeah, the Yeah, and to be fair, he called him a dark horse. Well, yeah, but I fair, but that means at the end of the season, what top five, something like that. Uh-huh. I, I don't, I don't think he's going to finish as a top five guy, maybe even top ten. In fact, where would you rank him among quarterbacks in the ACC right now? Ooh. If you believe in Jordan Travis, which I know you don't as much either, but Jordan Travis, Drake May, Riley Leonard from Duke, as you've mentioned a couple times, there's a real shot that. Kate Klubnick is the fourth best QB in the entire ACC. Oh, and then you got Mitch Griffiths coming from Wake Forest. So there's a lot of guys. uh, But and they said that Dabo did agree with him because that's why he had to make the hire of Garrett Riley, who we can get in really quick. But that's why he had to make that hire because they said a lot of people were looking at that offense as antiquated and it was being masked by the talent of the Trevor Lawrence's, of the Deshaun Watsons, and it's a very simplistic offense. And now Garrett Riley is there to make it more dynamic. Maybe we get into that on the other side of the break because I do want to talk about that because he's getting a lot of billing. And with what they're saying, they're expecting him to light up the scoreboards in Clemson. We'll get to that and more Panthers on the other side of the break. This is the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the Wesson Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ in Charlotte FC. Major League Soccer is now in season. And the WFNZ Jack Daniels Doghouse is open for business. The Doghouse doors will open up three hours before every home match. So stop by and get ready for kickoff with some of your favorite friends. You might see Fiddy twerking like he was on our video that we put on a story on the social media. You <laughs> we, might get to see that. We, we Real quickly, I'm sorry for stopping in a read, no, but I need, to, I need to go with the quote that he said while he was twerking. I was like, oh, okay, he's twerking. He's like, yeah, I was twerking like uh, uh, Nicki Minaj in 2010 when, when she started all of it. <laughs> right? Isn't that yeah. what happened? Go check that out on our socials, WFNZ, <laughs> Twitter, Instagram, and uh, on the Wesson Walker page as well. But Back to the read. Join us for the pregame and postgame parties at the Jack Daniels Doghouse coming to you live from the Audi Charlotte studio and brought to you by Jack Daniels, Pepsi, and powered by the Garage Door Guru text line only from Sports Radio 92.7, the WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. We got a lot going on talking about TV dads that's lighting up the text line. Keep that coming. Oh, yeah. 704-570-9610. Walker, you got any good ones over there? Uh, yeah, so so some of the dads that are mentioned here, uh, people are writing in Hal from Malcolm in the Middle, which is also Brian Cranston. Love Malcolm in the Middle. Thought that was a great show. And Hal, God bless him, having to put up, having to put up with everything he did in that household. Not only a wife that was very scary, although good mom, but very scary, and all the kids that were hellacious in every sense of the word. Hal is a great father. That's a great answer. Rocket Power Dad, Ray Mundo, for all you Nickelodeon heads out okay. there. Ray Mundo, the Shore Shack. Great answer. I think that was uh, Gary who wrote it in. Trying to find it again, but just another good answer. Those are some of the texts that came in and made the list. 704-570-9610. Feel free to keep contributing. I'm going to give a, some love to some 90s dads, too, man. Flex from one-on-one. All right, that was a great show back in the day. And my man Ray Campbell from Sister Sister. Got that one in here as well. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's a good one. Sister, raising the twins. So, yeah, man, there's so many great uh, TV dads, man. Just so many of them. So, <laughs> I fit it. did you bring up the guy from Game of Thrones? Edward Stark, Ned? I, yeah, Ned Stark, baby. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, some great TV dads. Keep, so, keep those texts coming. We want to see some more and talk about some more of these excellent TV dads. And to finish up our conversation coming out of the break, we were talking about uh, Drake May. We talked about Cade Klubnik being a possible Heisman dark horse, according to Mark Packer. But now on three and PFF, add them to the list, has now rated new Clemson offensive coordinator Garrett Riley, the number one offensive coordinator in the land after only scoring seven points against the University of Georgia. Now, granted, that Georgia defense was fantastic, but do you think he is going to live up to his billing at Clemson? Yeah, I think he will. I 
and this is why I thought it was a good point, because, Fiddy, you think Cade Klubnick is about to be the real deal here, more so than what we think, and you think in large part because of Garrett Riley and the success that he had with TCU, because if I'm not mistaken, maybe I'm wrong on this, trying to go back to the expectation that we had with Max Duggan coming into this past season, it clearly we didn't think he was going to win the Heisman or come as close as he did, right? Like, what were the expectations for a Duggan in that offense? And then what he actually eventually ended up doing, getting that team, being a large part of the reason why they played for a national championship. I think it is a good point. How big of a reason are you saying Kate Klubnick is going to perform, Fiddy, because of Garrett Riley's presence on that squad? I mean, like, I don't have as many doubts about him being a big-time player as Wes does. Like, like Wes, I was in the building, ACC championship game, Clemson down 7 nothing. And they turn away from DJU to him. And I know they planned for and stuff like that. And then Clemson just went and rolled Carolina in the ACC championship game in a large part because of some of the stuff he was able to do and improvise it and stuff like that. And then you just look at what Garrett Riley did with TCU talent. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting Clemson talent. And it's going to be an upgrade. Clemson has more talent than TCU does. I, I, I just feel like he's in too good of a position not to. And I think people are really underrating this. Jeff Scott being back in that program, I think, is going to do a lot of wonders for that quarterback position. There's a reason why the quarterback play after he left for South Florida somewhat dipped, if you will. I think him being there with Garrett Riley is a big reason why Klubnik and Clemson are poised to repeat as AC champions and maybe make the playoffs. Wes, let me ask you this because I'm kind of with you. I, yeah, I'm, I'm probably sitting the fence. Shocker here with Kate <laughs> Klubnik, as, as somebody might say. But 280. One touchdown, zero interceptions, 20 of 24 against North Carolina. The next week in the bowl game against Tennessee, they would lose, and his completion percentage would be 55, 320 total yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. So you had a decent amount of yardage there, but also I wouldn't call those stats phenomenal by any means. Sure. One attempt against Notre Dame, interception. Had a couple of attempts against Miami, only 13 yards. We saw him play against Georgia Tech on the road at the beginning of the season and, you know, showed out okay. But that's the problem with me, I think, with Cade. It's hard to establish a rhythm. So I understand if you are a Cade defender, you might say that. The thing for me is he had some opportunities even before North Carolina and didn't take it away. Right. And Wes, if if Cade is also performing so well in practice... Then wouldn't he have taken DJU's job, who wasn't also putting up? That's what I said. Yeah, so so this is this is the thing for me. He's got great tape against North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Can't take that away from him because he was making some big-time throws for sure. But I think that's why I stopped short of saying, yeah, he's about to be the next great QB, Taj Boyd, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence style. I don't think he's going to reach that level. Well, and granted, it's hard, but I, I don't know how far he's going to get from that or how close he is going to get from that either. Well, when you look at these guys coming out of high school, Trevor Lawrence was known as a prolific passer. Deshaun Watson was also known as a prolific passer, even though they had the propensity to be able to hurt you running the ball. Kate Klubnick played in a Texas RPO offense where, yeah, he did make some throws, but he was not known as a prolific passer. His main thing was running, making plays with his legs. He's a very small quarterback, uh, and this is the guy, like I said, as far as a passer, he doesn't compare to the other two. And to be frank, the guy I think he really compares closely to Clemson fans. I know you might light me up for this, but he's like Kelly Bryant, in my opinion. He's mostly a runner. Whoa. He's an okay passer. And that's going to be Clemson's struggle with him. Now you look the passing's at passing's got to be better. Kelly was not a good passer though. 
You you think Cade is going to be that bad of a passer? I think Cade came in a Carolina game. He hits a 50-50 ball uh, to the receiver down the sideline. No, he was awesome he throws in that a game, 50-50 though. ball to Davis Allen in the back of the end zone. Davis Allen. 50-50? That was on point. No, the, the one's the a ball he caught in the back. But he had to jump for it, though. That was a 50-50 ball that but he wait. threw up for Davis Allen. Davis Allen has a great vert. He's an explosive player. Not, I'm not saying the throw was trash, but I'm just saying that when you start to dissect the plays that he made – it's not like he was just really being dynamic. I think oh, I he hit some throws he should have made. That's where we differ completely. Well, and also I think Kelly, he was awesome in that game. Kelly Bryant also took Clemson to the college ball playoff, so that's not a bad thing. Yeah, but that was yeah, but true. But that was mostly that defense. That defense was off. That well, and Kelly, but all right, and now I'm Lawrence, with both. Yeah. Now I'm on an island with everybody. Right <laughs> yeah. now, I'm fighting everyone. Well, when you so, look at <laughs> when you look at Garrett Riley, though, when they talk about this, this was a team that uh, PFF rated uh, 41st coming into last season in EPA. That's expected points added. TCU finished the season 15th. Clemson was 47th and. Uh, expected points added in 2022. So they feel like that he's going to be able to come in there and do wonders uh, with this team and get them back rolling. I think I have the best case against Cade Klubnick that we've heard from so far. 336 number wrote in. To be fair, Ben Finley lit up UNC. <laughs> it's a fair point. It's a right. Really Everybody fair lit up at UNC. <laughs> right. and, and dude, the Finley brothers, boys, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> them dudes, dude, they own my heels, man. Yeah, and Mac told you after the game we didn't prepare for the guy. So that was another indictment. Oh, but also, I forgot about that it's, more, it's more than that, too, because when you look at the skill talent, the receivers, they just aren't there like they have been. There's no T. Higgins. There's no Sammy Watkins. There's none of that. I do like Antonio Williams, but to me, he's more of a two than a one. Bo Collins, to me, is a is a two to a three as opposed to one. Adam Randall may come in this year uh, and make some plays, and I like uh, Brennan Stew out there at the tight end position. I do like him as a player, but also to that Clemson offense that makes it a little suspect to me is the wide receiver skill talent isn't nearly what it's been. It's been subpar since T. Higgins and the crew walked out of the building, and so that's another thing about this Clemson offense that makes me think that they will be underwhelming yet again. Wes, do you think that Garrett Riley's system, though, could get the most out of the skill position talent? Because, I mean, look, like, like Quentin Johnson was a legit number one receiver in the mm-hmm. Big 12. Then they had just a bunch of, you know, parts and pieces, and they rode that all the way to the college football playoff national championship game. We would agree that Clemson has better talent, so even if they don't have a number one alpha male Belitnikov type of guy out there, don't they got enough pieces at wide receiver at tight end in his scheme to get the most? And yeah, that's what I'm saying. A- it, I just think they're they're an underwhelming group because when you talk about TCU's skill guys last year, they were better than Clemson's skill guys uh, from the year before. When you talk about Johnson, I forgot the really fast kid that they had in the slot that was like the 4-3 that had all these crazy athletic numbers. He was really good. They had a good back. Like a lot of these guys' names are uh, – slipping from my mind, but TCU had really good skill talent. Clemson, they've gotten a lot of guys that have come in with the big billing. Yeah, they're not void of talent. I like TCU, Shipley. I like mean. Shipley, but the receivers to me are, they're an underwhelming group. I like Antonio Williams, as I said, but this is not a group that's... To, to end it for me, it, it look, I think both things can be true about that game against North Carolina because we had uh, Belmont, ABC, Ben wrote in, Chase Bryce lit up UNC too, which is true. A lot of people <laughs> had some career days against North Carolina's defense <laughs> last year. It's exactly why Fitty wanted Dre Bly gone because he needed to pin all the blame yeah, on Darius someone. Davis is that slot. So, so North Carolina struggled. I, I think even with that, because we can watch the tape, you and I, beautiful thing about sports sometimes. We can all watch the game and get different outcomes. 
I think he was awesome against North Carolina, even if that defense wasn't good. But we have to apply that to the context and say, okay, a lot of other QBs had career days. Can he do it against better defenses? We got one really good game from Cade Klubnick, and that's it. Can we get anything close to that next season? And if you do, then Clemson probably should be the favorite based off of pedigree, based off of coaching and with a new hire on offense, because that's been one of the bigger weaknesses for them the last couple of seasons. It's been their offensive play calling. People didn't like what Elliott was doing. People didn't like what, um, who was the OC? Brandon Streeter. Thank you. Brandon Streeter, what he was doing. And let's not forget one more thing, too, to close it out. Put him in against Notre Dame, thinking he's going to say today, interception, Dabble, let me get you up out of here. Yeah, I mentioned that, too. Yeah, yeah, we have haven't seen them perform except for North Carolina. Yeah. All right. So moving on, talking about the Carolina Panthers, we've been talking about pressure. Now we want to talk about breakout uh, candidates. And Jason McCourty, one of the better DBs in, in recent history, came out and said that J.C. Horn is his breakout candidate uh, for next season. He paid a lot of praise on him. He said he can't wait to see what he's going to do this season. He just wants him to stay healthy. Would Carolina fans see it as a breakout if he can stay healthy or would it simply be just a case of him finally staying healthy? I think for me, it's the latter. I think it would just be him staying healthy. I think J.C. Horn, first round talent. There are plenty of stats to suggest that he's one of the better cornerbacks in the league. We've already had the debate a million times, but I don't think it would be considered a breakout, especially if you're talking about somebody drafted that high and had that many expectations in the first place. He was literally the first defensive player taken in that selection process. And to have the eighth overall selection be attached to your name, you're coming in with expectation right away and has played well on the field. So if he does what he was doing last year, maybe even more so, but does it for 14 games compared to what he was doing in previous seasons, then to me, it's just the fact that he stayed healthy, right? I mean, to me, I, I would just view it as the latter. I wouldn't view it as, oh, wow, where did that come from? Oh, wow, that's a huge step up from what he was doing last year. To me, it would just be him staying healthy. Yeah, and I'm, I agree with you because when he talked about it, to continue on with McCourty's comments, he said, and I quote, he's extremely good, but he hasn't been on the field a lot. He'll get an opportunity with a lot more eyeballs in Carolina this year because of the addition of Bryce Young to that city and to that franchise. And I do think that's it because when he played, when he's played, he has been a really good player for the Panthers. I just didn't. I found it peculiar, the comments of it being a breakout year for him as if he's been yeah. underwhelming when he's been on the field. And so that's why I was like, eh, I think it would be just more of a case as we agree. I'll agree with you here that he just finally stayed healthy and completed uh, a season. Do you have any comments on this? No, I mean, I don't because I, I feel like I feel like if he's healthy, he's as true a number one shut down corner quotation mm-hmm. marks if, if you will around that and he's I, not Wes will not yeah, he will not I, I'm just gonna be interested to see if he's healthy how Avero deploys him and how he builds that secondary and uses him because I feel like he's a guy that he can shut down one side of the field and then you do other things on the other side of the field like that Seattle defense did back in the Legion of Boom well and, and the player comparison we're gonna have a lot we talked about it initially with the Avero hiring but haven't talked about it recently all that much Patrick Sertan, the guy that you constantly compared to J.C. Horn, they went 8-9. and nine. Sertan has been fantastic in his start to his NFL career. Avero, the D.C. there, can you have the same type of success with J.C. Horn? I think yes, and I think 
as long as he's able to not have some season ending injury, right? That that's what you're hoping for from the South Carolina Gamecock. All right. And then talking about the offensive line, Iki Aquino comes out and said the entire offensive line are 100% behind the choice of young as if they had a choice. And what else would we expect him to say? But uh, <laughs> should they feel more pressure than usual though, as a unit, I say yes. Because I think you're going to have a talent that's going to come in here and show that he's ready to win right now. And I think that if they should falter, they're going to get a lot of blame uh, if this team doesn't perform the way they need to. Because people are going to be saying, hey, man, you finally got the right quarterback back there. You guys need to block. Well, let me defer to the offensive lineman with a question, too. The reason I would say no is because a rookie QB that comes in, the big gap in having to learn the game is just everything that comes with the brain, the system, all of the the terminology, whatever, right? So if you're Bryce Young and you come in and we already have stories about him uh, coming in for Mac Jones and sliding the protection, it seems like Bryce Young is the QB that has the ability to put the offensive line in the best situation possible, right? Mm-hmm. So for normal rookie QBs, yeah, maybe. And I am considering the size. Of course, you don't want anybody to get in the backfield anyway. Even Cam Newton is someone that had enough shots taken in the backfield to the point where it would eventually end his career. But with Bryce Young, it feels like this is the young QB that can put the offensive line in the best situation to succeed for themselves and for himself, Wes. That's why I would say maybe not. But what say you on playing that offensive uh, line position where a QB comes in, dictates protection? How much does that help you if it is the right call, actually succeed with whatever edge rusher or the inside guy going to get to D-tackle? Oh, for sure. I mean, it's the great equalizer. When you have a quarterback that can control protection and keep guys in the right positions, it's going to make you look great because if you had a uh, quarterback that cannot recognize some of these things hey let's face it coaches do make bad calls and so a coach might not have the right call on and he might get blown up and it's no fault of yours but if you have that quarterback back there that can make that read make everything right it helps a lot but I do think there's going to be pressure when you come in and have a really good quarterback because if things aren't going the way they need to go offensively people are going to look at you and say you're the reason why this offense isn't doing what it needs to do because you have the right guy back there yeah that's big for me if you have someone that could protect himself using the offensive line in Bryce Young who's already as smart as he is and processes at the rate that he does and also improvises out of the pocket as you've mentioned a million times going to be really hard to bring down I I wonder how many times he's going to get sacked this year compared to an Anthony Richardson compared to a CJ Stroud some of the other rookie QBs young QBs I I would be I, I wouldn't be shocked if he was one of the what bottom five at least 10 sacked QBs in all of the NFL. I can see that. That's plausible. Especially with the idea of him getting the football out of his hands quickly, giving it to Mingo, giving it to playmakers. I I think you're probably seeing a guy that's going to be sacked um, in the bottom 10 rate as far as NFL QBs go. One guy that never gets sacked, Josh Fitty Marlowe, giving us his last Fitty (laughs) Flash of the day, man. Let's go. Don't get sacked. It's all right to be little Fitty. A little hometown or a big old city. Might as well share. Might as well smile. Going to take this time to look around the Diamond Some Day baseball games going on right now. The Yankees lead the A's 11-2. They're moving into the top of the 7th. And the at the going into the 7th in Pittsburgh, it's 3-3 between the Rockies and the Pirates. The Tigers leading 5-0 over the Guardians. And the Dodgers with a 4-1 lead over the Brewers. 
And I just want it to be known. Um, y'all did a really good job checking in on me during the college basketball season when things weren't going well. That hasn't carried over to the baseball season. My baseball team is 17 and 19. And they lost last night to the low-life Cincinnati Reds. If they lose again tonight with Verlander on the mound, young Schrott might be in here because I might be in the hospital. Man, you got 286 more games. Yeah, at least. What's the problem? At least, yeah. You're probably looking at more like 350. Yeah. I think you're going to be fine. This happens every year. Having your are, voice. Are you saying, did it give out? It was like, my. <laughs> what was it like? My. Um, when I was asking, uh, are you saying that we have not checked on you during the show? Or you're talking about texting because yeah. we haven't really done either. The problem is... It's every day. Baseball games every day, so right. that's a lot of checking in on you constantly. Breaking news, Walker. Yeah. Um, I'm needy. <laughs> so every day and every night, I want you, hey, you okay? <laughs> no, you, okay? You, would, you would like that. <laughs> you do want that. All right, when we return on the Wesson Walker Show, we're going to close this thing down on this day in sports history. This is the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Wesson Walker getting you set for some NBA playoff basketball tonight. Of course, the late tip will be Golden State hosting Lakers. I don't know why I said it that way. Golden State hosting LA, and they're looking to keep their hopes alive of moving on to the Western Conference Finals. Golden State down 1-3. LeBron James and company, they could be going to the Western Conference Finals. Scratch that. Maybe even the NBA Finals and winning the whole thing after the start that they had. Please don't say that. But the previous tip will be between the Miami Heat and the New York Knicks. It will be happening in Madison Square Garden. So the Knicks will have home court advantage tonight. They're doing the same thing Golden State is, just trying to stay alive. Fiddy, how good do you feel about New York's chances of uh, winning this game and at least extending the series to six? I asked uh, noted Nick Van Bone this morning, do we force game six? He thinks, yeah, because it's the Garden. It's what the Knicks do. Going to be a star-studded crowd out there as usual. Billy Crystal will be in the in the garden tonight to catch Game Five of the Eastern Conference Semis. Doesn't matter. I mean, they can win this game. They're going to go to South Beach and lose by like thirty-eight or something because that's they can't win there. And I, Miami's home court is the most interesting thing in maybe in sports because not many people go, but they still win there. Yes. Like, I don't, I mean, outside of the Rays, what other team do we see consistently compete? I said the Rays, right? Or did I say the A's? You said the Rays. Okay. <laughs> what team do we see consistently compete and have a worse home field or home court advantage than Miami? Yeah, I don't know. Like, they play in empty arenas. 
and you still can't go there and win. Yeah, I mean, because the LeBron years, they would be pretty lit, but I would have to agree with you there. Um, yeah, I think tonight I'm going to go with the Knicks as well. I think they get it going. What would happen? You know, Stephen A. said he vomited watching them play. What would happen if they lost this game and then the whole crowd just all vomited at the same time? It's pretty barbaric to think about it. That's, that's a lot. Of, I just thought about that. It reminds me of the Family Guy scene where they all take, I think, Epicac, and that's the thing that helps you throw up, and mm-hmm. the last one to do it gets the dessert or whatever. That's what it reminds me of. Walker, We've wandered down a weird road. Walker, you're an mm-hmm. NBA guy. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think Tibbs could get fired if they lose, you know, when, when the And I just don't get that notion like two of the last three years you've been the postseason this year you advance i know miami's an eight but i mean is 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 nick nurse moving the needle enough for you to to fire him to hire to potentially hire him the thing about tibbs is is it better to get out of the way right now of the crash that is inevitably coming because that's how it's happened with every single team that he's coached if you need someone to come in and get you to the playoffs and probably have some players be uh, angry at you at the end of all of this and hate you by the time you're done, then, oh, oh well, at least you got to the playoffs. But is he the guy that actually gets you over the hump, as we've talked about today, with it being hump day? Is he the guy that gets you over the hump enough to where you get to the conference finals and beyond? Are you just deciding to get out in front of that immediately by firing him? I could see it. I don't think it's going to happen either. But, yeah, Tibbs, maybe it makes more sense for a guy like him compared to other coaches in the league. By the way, Kenny Atkinson, he's interviewing for the Bucks job. Did he rescind his offer or his <laughs> right. actual media? Nick. Are you surprised he's getting more interviews after what he did? I mean, like, remember one thing, McDaniels kind of got blackballed by the NFL for a couple coaching cycles. Atkinson took the job, backed out. And he's now interviewed for Milwaukee, Toronto. You would imagine if New York comes up and they'd go after him. I, I I do find that weird, but I guess when you look at the Batman villain that he is, you can't help but interview him. Well, and, and Charlotte has a bad reputation. Yeah. That's just I what it is. I think when you look at all the factors that was going on with the team, especially after Miles Bridges, what happened to him, I think a lot of people felt he was justified in doing well, what he did. Well, I mean, it, it, the Miles incident happened after he decided to, you know, Oh, not right, but aboard. I'm saying before that, when you saw, like, some of the stuff coming up on social media and some of the different things players were doing, I well, think he kind of was like, I don't know if I want to deal with here's that. Here's the thing about Kenny Atkinson during that whole run of him deciding to go back to Golden State. There were so many different things that he knew before he accepted the job. Right. So why accept it and then back out and stay with Golden State when you would try to come up with reasoning? It could have been you wash your hands, you're done with it. And Atkinson could have just said, well, I realize my family really likes it here. I was a little too eager at the opportunity to get back in head coaching. Upon second thought, I decided it wasn't the right area for me and we're going to stay here. But then there were all of these circumstances that he was bringing to light, quote unquote, whether they were true or not, about them, the Hornets, not wanting to pay assistant coaches with a high salary, which is a problem. But okay, you knew this when you accepted the job as well. They wanted to hold over some of the assistant coaches. So Kenny Atkinson could not pick what he actually wanted. And then you talk about the roster makeup already. Like you knew what that was going to be as far as how young it was at the time yeah. he accepted it. So Atkinson, whatever, he, he backed out. We'll see if he backs out of the next job that he actually accepts. Um, We've been talking about the games tonight. Might as well just keep the playoff conversation going. What did you make of Phoenix getting 
I mean, blown out. They were close yeah, in the third, right. if I'm not mistaken. But they got yeah. I mean, Denver they kind of I separated felt bad themselves again. For myself to think that they could beat Denver three times in a row, especially on the road, I was like, man, I should have picked them. Now the Boston game was a big surprise. I didn't think the Sixers were going in and do that. But then once the Nuggets did what they did, I was like, man, I should have known better. So it was close going into the third quarter, and then Denver really separated, scoring 39 to Phoenix's 25. Now Denver has a 3-2 lead with this thing going back to Phoenix. I expect the Suns to take control of home court advantage. Me too. I think Denver's going to win the series. I do. I think Denver's going to win. They just okay. rely a ton on Devin Booker and Kevin Durant going nuclear, and I don't think that's something and you, you got can like depend us tonight, on all the time. Right? Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Lakers to close it out. I'm going Dub. I'm going Lakers to close it out. Um, and also just mentioning Philadelphia and Philadelphia. How, we we got a lot of awesome storylines that could potentially happen. I'm gonna talk I about think that Boston tomorrow. Return to favor. But hey, yesterday we were all in unison, so that was a scary thing too. So I'm glad we differ a little bit today. Yes, sir, Mr. Bailey. We got Kyle Bailey hopping on the mic. Turn like on Fitty. What? First of all, Alan Jackson, hilarious. <laughs> It's all right to be little fitty. I got to applaud you for that. That one had me rolling on the way down. That that was was all. That was me. That was you? Yeah, I appreciate that. He put that that. together for me. Wow, well done. You put that together. I did. I put together most of the imaging. It's actually clever and good. Okay, Okay, thank you. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) fitty. But uh, it's Mother's Day week. Why are we celebrating fathers today? I I just have to ask. Because while people zig, we zag, Kyle. That's what happened. Oh, I don't hate the approach. I just want I might get it back tomorrow, though, for uh, fire. Because today I start the, it's like a three-day festival of just talking about hot moms on the show okay throughout history what's so your like, favorite I'm mom like, in television history mine was jenna jameson growing up i don't know about you stop you were the only person on earth who would say jenna jameson was your favorite mother of all time okay you pamela anderson is that a more acceptable answer yes it, okay. in a way it is Holy crap, Jenna Jameson. All right. That's awful. What a way to end it. All right, Kyle tries to get this thing back on the track right here alongside Smoke Ludwig, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.